right, we are good. All right. So what's up, y'all? Uh, always, always a huge pleasure, an honor to have Marwan Irani on here with me. Uh, we, gosh, we've known Marwan a long time. He's been a customer for years, and uh, he was in our second book. He, we've done video up there. Some of his, in fact, Marwan, check it out, man. I got my my Buxton Hall. Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. That's right. Love, I love it. This thing. It's uh, it's 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 been worn quite a bit. It's nice and thin and soft now. I love it. Um, but we we filmed uh up at Buxton Hall and we've done the podcast. We've done all kinds of stuff with Marijuan. He's always so kind with his time. Uh, so uh, and Marijuan is the the chef and owner of Chaipani Restaurant Group in Asheville, North Carolina. And Marijuan, uh, looks like you're hanging out your home office right now. Is that right? At the home office, I hope you don't mind if you hear the dog barking in the background, lawnmowers going, you know, it, it, it's real, man. This is, this is what work is, is like nowadays. You got to, you got to, your life is a part of your work and your work's a part of your life and you can't keep them separate anymore. Well, my dog sure is howling about there. Uh, so, well, look, hey, let me ask you a question. Um, have you, I mean, have you been home through most of this? Have you been able to go into the restaurants or are y'all even open yet? Our restaurants, when we, when, when the, you know, when it first hits, I want to say March 14th, 15th, you know, the minute we realized this is real, we shut down our restaurants um, almost completely, um, even uh, for two months, all of them. And we all sent our staff home and we all, the core team, the executive team uh, started working from home. Our servers and staff were all able to get on, were laid off. They weren't, they weren't, fired they were just laid off you know and luckily because of the extended unemployment benefit um they were able to you know be okay and then we reopened the restaurants in uh july um for takeout only but okay. we still all work from home you know anybody okay. that's at the executive level or the company level or the corporate level as we call it we're all working from home um so there's a little okay, bit of a, there's a little so bit okay. of a, uh you know, there's a little bit of like, uh, not guilt's not the right word, but you know, we've got staff and servers that, and kitchen workers that go into work every day. So they're having to live a slightly different reality of, of, you know, being on the ground. And then we've got another side of the team that's been more on the business side of things where we have the luxury of being able to work from home. So uh, I, I make sure to stop by all the restaurants at least once a week. So there isn't the sense like I'm up here in my ivory tower at home working while the troops are on the ground. Uh, but there is this disconnect. And uh, unfortunately, it's just a part of, uh, you know, of uh, the new, new, the new reality. Yeah, man. Well, um, it's a good thing that you've been able to do that. You've got a great team supporting you. And I know they support you, too. Um, one of the things, okay, so you, I want to ask you about a couple of things because I read this thing in uh, Men's Health. You were recently in Men's Health magazine. And um, did they do a podcast too? Is that right? Um, yeah, we did a, we did, did a, uh, we did a Zoom type thing, an uh, uh, Instagram live little uh, show uh, for 30 minutes uh, with Spencer Dukoff, uh, the editor. And then they also did a little article afterwards. Okay, so you talked about, uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I got it written down here in my little, little book. Uh, is it Jugad? How do I pronounce it? Jugad, yeah. Okay. Which is, uh, which is like, as you said, and they're like MacGyvering it. So you talked to, but the overarching point of that article was uh, 
having goals and not plans because plans always go awry. Um, tell me more about that because I think that's a fascinating concept. Um, it's something I, uh, I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, well, it's sort of, it, it, it's baked into me culturally growing up in India where, you know, um, just nothing's on time. Um, uh, you know, nothing really works hundred percent the way you need it to. Um, and you just sort of get in this mindset that the, uh, you know, that if you're dependent, if, if you're making a, making plans that are based on things working out perfectly, and, and things showing up in time, people doing what they said they're going to do. Literally, whether it's waiting for, you know, the plumber to show up your house or you're working on a, on a big business deal, uh, something about living in India just makes you go with the flow and, and, and not get frustrated if um, the way you'd set something up didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Uh, often it's not just that people flake out, it's just that circumstances change. You know, it's it's the, the infrastructure in that country has got tremendous pressure on it from just, um, you know, the billion people living in a landmass a third the size of the U.S. Um, so everything from, you know, a rolling blackout in the middle of a conference call to, um, you know, uh, the power, you know, uh, the, the phone not working to somebody not showing up because they got stuck in a traffic jam. So growing up there, I just got used to this idea or kind of ingrained in me that, there's many ways to get to what you need done that don't focus on, well, we said we were going to do it this way and now it's not working. So ah, everybody freak out, right? That, that, that it's all doom and gloom because the plan didn't work. And it's been so applicable, applicable during this pandemic. I mean, this pandemic has been the perfect example of all the plans that we made for how we wanted to grow our restaurants and just went out the window. But the goal of growing the restaurants is still there for me. I'm not, I'm not going to stop doing what I do just because of this, you know, hiccup. I mean, it's a big hiccup, but still in the long scheme of things, we'll look back at this and it was a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe even two years of hardship. Um, so having that flexibility of not being attached to, this is the only way this plan can work, but having the mindset of saying, we got this goal and things may change and it's okay and you gotta be adaptable. So a lot of people keep asking me, like, how are you doing this pandemic, Will? And I keep saying, actually, you know, not bad. I mean, there are things that are hard, but I never got into this business thinking that it was going to be smooth sailing from point A to point B and that everything was going to work out exactly the way it was yeah. supposed to be. So, and, and the word for it in India is jagard, which literally, as you said, means to MacGyver it. And it can be from the smallest of things, like, you know, um, uh, you, you got a flat tire, so how do you jagar to get your motorcycle from point A to point B? And, and some of the, you'll see the craziest duct tape and chicken wire and bubblegum solutions you've ever seen in your life at a small scale. And at a large scale, it's how to think about problems, you know, that there's always a way forward. And it may, be, it may not look pretty, but you can get it done. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I thought of that, and you had like a, a 150-page business plan or something for Chai Pine when you first started. So you did quite a bit of planning, but that's planning that you do with an overarching goal of growth and having the flexibility to say, okay, well, like you said, the plan goes out the window. You got to be able to tweak the plan when necessary. The pandemic is, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's an example of 
things that, you know, what you might call either black swans um, or tail events or things that are very rare, have a huge, huge impact. And the funny thing about those things, you're not funny, but the interesting thing is like, that's what history's made of, right? It's all these random, unplanned, major events that have this huge impact that we could never even imagine a plan for and they just change everything. I mean, that's everything from like World War II to 9-11, which we just had a, you know, um, an anniversary of that to this pandemic. And um, the it underscores, I think, the importance of being uh, optimistic in terms of you know, wanting to grow, but also being, you could say, pessimistic or conservative with having some cushion to deal with stuff like this. And I want to address that as a restaurant owner, as a successful restaurant owner, a group of restaurants, uh, as well as, you know, so from a business side and a personal side, talk about how you have enough margin or redundancy in, in your financial planning for this. Because I've seen you know, restaurants that went under almost like that, which, you know, it's a tough business. It's a small margin business, it's a business of pennies. But boy, if you're not planning for something, broadly planning for something that could have a big impact, you got problems. So talk about the financial side of this marijuana and how you addressed that prior to this. And if anything has changed with that uh, since this happened. Um. It's a really good question and, and obviously one that I've been thinking about a lot. Like, could we have planned <laughs> to have a better cushion, right, financially? And, yeah. okay, so I, 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 at, at the risk of sounding like, you know, I'm all about storytelling and parables, there, there's an old um, story about an Indian king who's considered the wealthiest king in India. I mean, his legend his fame for how rich his kingdom was, uh, was, was legendary. And, and for what a great, and how loved he was by his people, right? He was beloved by his people. Uh-huh. And a, visit, a visiting king came to, to meet him one day. And as part of like, you know, the tour, asked to see the royal treasury because he had heard of these wonders that this king had, you know, of, 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 of this untold wealth. So the king happily said, absolutely, and took him to, you know, the treasury building, and they went inside and was completely empty, nothing in there. And, and the visiting king was shocked. He said, there's, there's nothing here. There's no gold sacks of gold coins and all this wealth I've heard about. Like, where is it all? And the king said, I don't need this. He says, everything I've, I've, I've received, I've given back to my people. And because when I need it from them, all I have to do is put the call out and these people will give me everything I need, you know, if I ever needed it myself. Mm. And, 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 you know, the legend goes as an example, he, to prove the point, he sent a message out to his kingdom that his king needed money, resources, whatever. And two days later, the treasury was full from Florida people as people from all over the kingdom poured in to help. Now, it's not something that I think about every day. But it really forced me to think about in this time, what were the assets that I had if I didn't have money, if I didn't have that money put aside? Because none of us did well. I mean, even with the restaurant group being as large as we had, we didn't have, you know, enough money put aside to weather a storm like this. Everything we had was being continuously invested in growth. But what we did have was an amazing team, an amazing group of people, relationships that we had 
uh, built, you know, over the years with people that we supported and were loyal to and trusted and, and passed it forward to. And uh, what I've been shocked, and not shocked isn't the right word, I guess the plan then the, was that, okay, we need to survive. Well, let's reach back out to our friends, our investors, our banks, the people we built relationships with, uh, the people that we owe money to that we've, you know, um, always been a great customer with and see if we can work with them to create the cushion that we need to see through this time. And lo and behold, I mean, 90% of the time, yes, the people that we owed money to said, hey, don't worry about it. Our investors that we were supposed to send a distribution out said, hey, I don't need that right now. You need it more than I do. Uh, employees that were well off said, don't pay me this month or don't pay me for two months. I got a cushion. I can stay with my family. Um, so it's it, the cushion that we have was building out a team that we were always been there for, uh, for 10 years. And now that team, and the team isn't just internal, it's an external team. I count you, Will, as part of the team. You are a perfect example of a vendor who said, hey, I know times are tough. Don't worry about paying that monthly invoice for Schedulefly, right? Those things, that's the same as cash. It's the same as having money in the bank. Um, and I'd rather have that relationship yeah. where somebody says, hey, you banked with me. Now I'm going to put deposits in your bank um, to help you out. Then just hoard the money and constantly like try to just grow a pot of money, uh, you know, cause unless that money's in circulation as a business and being used, whether it's taking care of your people, paying your bills, growing your business, it's not doing any good. If anything, it's taking away from building relationships and growing business. So yeah, I'd love to say, oh man, we had a nice bank of money because I planned for this day. We did, we did, uh, but we did have, wealth in other ways is there a word for that is it karma i don't know <laughs> karma i don't know <laughs> you had a lot of equity in the bank of karma man yeah it's a great point man you know that reminds me of that movie it's a wonderful life uh you ever seen that movie oh absolutely exactly yeah. exactly exactly it's, it's, the, it's the same feeling and here's what i'm saying that wasn't a plan is my whole point but our goal as right. a company was to do the right thing. Uh, and when plans changed and we didn't have access to resources this way, well, we guarded it and we reached out and made deals and, and got loans and, and figured it out. And, and, you know, the goal never changed. And we're now actually positioned to continue to grow. Um, we've even some of the restaurants that we we're in the process of building out uh, that we ran out of money to do. We had a developer say, I'll pay to build out the rest of your restaurant, Marijuana, because I believe in you. I would not offer this to other uh, wow. tenants, but I'm going to offer it to you because of your track record and relationship and what a great tenant you've been with us in the past. So that's what I mean. So we're actually able to grow. We're, we're opening new places because of a new way of looking at relationships of developers and landlords. That's fantastic, man. What, what's, what, what's next? What are you growing? Um, what are you opening next? So we're, we're finishing out our Optimist Hall build out that was in the works, but we had pulled the plug on it, essentially thinking that we didn't have money uh, halfway through its build out. And, and that's the situation in which, you know, the developer and the landlord work with us, say, let's finish this. We, we, we believe in this project and we became partners in the project instead of just, you know, a, a landlord tenant relationship. Um, another um, um, 
One of my landlords. Optimus Hall. That's here in Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's, it's, sorry. What did you say, Bill? You cut up, broke up there. Yeah, I think my connection, it's funny. I think my uh, unplanned, my, my internet connection's not great and my hound dog keeps howling. I think uh, Optimus Hall's the one here in Charlotte, right? Uh, north yes, of Uptown? Correct. Yeah, that's Uptown Charlotte, so that'll be finished. And then we're actually moving forward and putting two more concepts in Optimus Hall. We're, we're doing a Spicewalla pop-up and we've got another concept we're working with them just because of how well that relationship worked out and it's an opportunity to grow you with completely creative thinking with a whole new way of looking at how to partner for these deals uh the same with pond city market um you know we went from hey we don't know if you can pay our bills to now signing lois and two kiosks in there to do something new again because we re-examined the partnership and the relationship between the developer landlord and the tenant and how we can just be in it together and then our landlords in Asheville. Um, I mean, came up to us, our Chai Pani landlord, and basically said, Marijuana, you have paid our mortgage for the last 11 years, always on time, never missing a beat, and you have helped us pay this building down. So now we are going to return the favor and not charge you rent until you can get back on your feet. You know, uh, freeing up cash flow then to do other things with it. So because of that, we're able to open a small new concept in Nashville. And, and, I, and, and I'm being vague with the names because we haven't announced it to the press yet. Yeah. But um, it, it's a concept that we're opening in a small footprint in Asheville uh, that should open in a couple of months. And I'll, I'll let you know what it is once, once the word's out. Oh, man, that's fantastic. So, I love that. So, so I, congratulations. I, so we, we're looking at six new openings in the next 10 to 12 months, uh, you know, under, under the new rules of the pandemic. And, and I'm thinking about these openings in the terms of uh, – these being well suited for a post COVID world, a post pandemic world, not to say that we'll be in this mode forever, but it's definitely helped the thinking and the plan of saying, Oh, well, how do we build restaurants that have lower overhead, smaller footprints that can pivot to take out easily. Um, and if something like this were to happen again, have more uh, flexibility and cushion um, in, in, in helping us instead of these large, you know, 10,000 square feet, Buxton Hall style, you know, temples to food. We're now moving to small, comfortable, easy, approachable, affordable, um, you know, uh, family oriented places that I think there's going to still be a demand for um, even after this is over. Do you think that as this passes through and, and um, you know, think forward a year or two from now. What are your thoughts on people needing to gather together in places like yours and, and your peers around the country? Because I feel like that's something we're hardwired for. I think we've been doing yes. that for the history of humanity and I think we, we need that. Yes. So, there are a lot of people that say this changes everything and there'll be nobody. I, I just don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm there yet. I think that um, people will, will feel more and more comfortable. And um, just as another horrible event, nine 11, where people were saying this, this changes everything. And there are all these different narratives going on. Then, you know, things kind of gradually got back to pretty much where they were, except for security lines at the airport. I feel like people need to be 
together and they need to gather. And, but then I think of a place like, like Buxton Hall, you got all this space so you can kind of maybe manage it. Then you got a place like Chaipani where the vibe, a lot of that is just densely packed. Everybody's, you know, near each other and it's happening and it's like got this vibrant energy. Is that something that we'll be able to continue with? Or do you think that'll change more permanently? That kind of vibe. Uh no, I, I think absolutely you're right. People want to be able to, you know, be together. We're, we're social beings. You know, we, we want to um, be in the company of others. We want to be in a busy hustle and bustle place. That'll all come back. It'll take some time. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Um, yeah. I think there'll be a, a long tail as, you know, the entire population either slowly gets immunized or gets immunity or um, you know, it'll take a while to come back. Um, but what, uh, so I absolutely foresee a future for a place as large as Buxton Hall or as, or, or as intimate as Chaipani absolutely still being there. But what's changed for me is not having all my eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, I need a, I need, if I'm going to be in the restaurant business, then I need to take into account the fact that this, something like this could happen again, which forces us to not be social. Which, which keeps us apart. But so how do you, how do you build a restaurant group that can uh, account for that? Um, you know, I mean, is it the physicality of the spaces? Is it the concepts? Or is it, like you said, a cushion, you know, that's, that, that can help you see through a time like that again? Um, so that's what I'm working on, is trying to figure out what the path is to create um, concepts and spaces um, that can work in both situations. I think it also will um, help us re-examine some of the overheads, um, you know, the kind of rents that people were paying for restaurant spaces. Um, yeah. It works at 100% capacity, does not work if you were ever at 50% capacity. So I think some of the relationship with the numbers will also change in, when, you, when you look at that. And, and it may be that, um, you know, if I want a Buxton Hall type experience in the future, well, it may not be in an urban dense 10,000 square foot building where rents are sky high. It may be somewhere on the outskirts, but we still have the space for that kind of experience, but rents are cheaper. So I, I think we'll all as restaurateurs figure this out, but restaurants are not going yeah. anywhere. You're, I mean, we've been doing this since the beginning of time. There have been plagues and earthquakes yep. and disasters and you know and and probably there'll be a, all of those in the future too and we'll still get together and commute in a group and eat together like we did at the beginning of the dawn of mankind totally agree 100 percent, man um not surprised you feel the exact same way well the um I like the I like the thought of diversification, and I also like the idea that you've built a you built a really powerful brand, and I think people connect with brands. Um, so whatever you do, you know, particularly in situations like this, they the default is okay. Well, sure, maybe I'm cooking at home more, but nobody wants to cook at home all the time. They want somebody to do something for them. So then they start looking for the brands that they care about, the brands they trust, whatever it is. If it's Tripani's got this family takeout meal or marijuana's going to go on Instagram and show me how to cook or whatever it is. They're going to, it just underscores, I think the importance of really establishing a very clearly defined yes. welcoming brand that people will latch on to even more perhaps 
when something's gone awry. So and I may have had 10 different places I went to or a dozen before that now I'm, I'm not going out as much. I don't, maybe I'm trying to save a little more money. I don't, whatever. Now there's like three. Well, I'm, I, hopefully that's going to be, is that, do you feel that way that really underscores how important it is to across your brand, across every platform to, to build that kind of a relationship? Absolutely. Um, it's, it is who we are. Um, we're storytellers and, and we're, we, you know, we created a brand and uh, we were talking about our spaces and I, and I, one of the things that I said to the team at one point, you know, cause we were looking at in the early days, like, will we be able to reopen in this space again? And I said, Chaipani is not this space. Chaipani is us. Yeah. We're a brand and this is portable. We can take this anywhere and into any area. We can leave the space and go up in another space and Chaipani is still alive because it's, it's an idea. It's a concept. It's not a location. Yes, the location adds to the experience. You know, when you go to Buxton, it absolutely is an enhancement. It's an ad, and it, 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 but Buxton isn't the location. It's a story. It's Elliot's story. It's a story of, you know, of, of what he wanted to do with barbecue. Um, and it's the same with Chaipani and the same with Botiwala and, and even Spicewala. So, uh, again, you know, did I know how important that would be back in the day? No, we were doing it naturally, organically, and intuitively. But now, if I had to give a business class um, in, in the restaurant world, uh, I wouldn't be able to stress enough the importance of um, building a brand that you can pick up and take with you if you had to and recreate it somewhere else um, over and over again. So, um, you know, the, the, the second check body that opened will proved that it's a brand it's not it's not about a location it's an idea it's a story and thank god we did that because now we can take that brand like you said apply it to prepared meals take home uh, cooking classes um and then we created the spice water brand and and that you know coexists now because those brands can play off of each other like you said when i'm doing a cooking class uh, we can talk to folks about using spice water at home to cook with while cooking a chaipani recipe or a buxton recipe and then we can collaborate with other brands, which you're doing a lot of. So we create, we, we um, you know, help other people um, create a, a brand that's a collaboration between two. Uh, I mean, a perfect example is Burial Beer. Uh, they use their spices in making the beer, but they also had a restaurant. And we created a collaborative spice blend that's for their restaurant, but is also branded with Spicewala. And, and I feel like that allows your brand to extend and, and partner up with other brands. And, and doing that's really important too, because there's a multiplier effect when you do that. You know, you get the, you get people that are not inside your circle seeing your brand when, when you do that a lot. So I've always thought of the brand as this living thing that has its own energy and its own ability to connect outside of the space. Um, and that's why we do events and, 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 and you know, and, and take the brand on the road with us uh, to show to people that it's not just the restaurant, as long as there's a representative and a story, um, that location doesn't matter. You mentioned story a few times, Marilyn. I want to ask you about that because you said, you know, we're storytellers and you really understand the power of a story and a narrative. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, about why that's so important, particularly with the brand. But um, why do you keep saying we're storytellers? 
Well, it's the way I look at my my restaurants and our concepts, and, and the way I look at restaurants is like a restaurant isn't just there to make a meal per se. I mean, well, let me take that back. There are plenty of restaurants that just serve food, and, and you go there just for the food, and, and most yeah. of them fall in the fast food category, and or not, right? Um, it, it's a place that where I don't want to cook at home. Let me go there and cook over here, and that's all well and good, but. To create a brand, you, you have to tell a story in your, in your space. And it happened for me, I guess, again, just organically and naturally because we were introducing this idea 11 years ago of Indian street food. And I needed to explain to people what that was and what the difference was between Indian food and Indian street food. And bear in mind, most people didn't even understand Indian food very well. Like, you know, it was, it was very stereotyped. So we uh, painted this picture of how... This is the kind of food eaten by, you know, Indians all over the country on the streets in between meals, after work, while going to work, in between breaks. And it's fun and it's vibrant and it's ever-changing and it's evolving. And then we created sort of the, the look uh, to tell the story. So when somebody walks into Chaipani, um, you know, they're not just eating Indian street food. They feel like they're stepped into India, like a little piece of it for, for an example. And, and the story of that food and how it got there, um, it's, it's a part of the experience. And it's worked really, really well for us. Um, and, and it's worked for Buxton Hall because that's a story too. It's worked for Spicewalla. I mean, the story of spices and how even America was founded as a country because Christopher Columbus left Spain looking for new trade routes to get to India for spices, you know? That's why when he ran into America and thought he was in India, everybody here, he called them Indians, you know? But he was looking for spices. Um, so that's a story too. And I have a real hard time understanding how you could uh, have a business, especially a restaurant, serving food uh, without telling the story of <clears throat> who you are. <coughs> Sorry, talking too fast. Where you came from and why you do what you do. Um, it, it goes back to a the last thing is uh, I'll talk about is uh, storytelling is about telling people the why. Uh, behind why you're doing what you're doing. And I, and I feel like that is, you know, that's the key to, to, to uh, uh, engaging with people and people understanding you is when they understand why you do what you do. Um, it's context. So anyway, so I, I, I make it sound like, oh, it's this creative thing and blah, blah. I'm saying, again, it's a core business le a lesson. I mean, I don't know if you know of Simon Sinek, a great speaker. Um, he wrote the book, Start yeah. With Why. And and we'll start with why yeah. is what's your story, like not how you did it, not do not you know, but but it's what we do. Yeah, and that underscores the importance of authenticity in that story too. I think people people really they they can figure that out pretty quickly if you're authentic. Um, seems like perhaps that's become even more important now that people are have had the time, the inclination, the impetus to consider who they do business with perhaps even more so than ever. And that would be consumers as well as business owners like yourself, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's becoming a part of how people consume. They, they want to align their value systems with the, with the value system of who they do business with, right? And the best way yeah. to convey what you care about, what you value, 
is is and and is by is by explaining your why by telling the story of why you do what you do and you know i mean you and i know this that storytelling is so powerful there's no greater way to convey an idea whether it's a business idea a marketing idea a creative idea than by telling stories i mean it goes back again to the beginning of time it's how information was actually passed from it's how knowledge was passed on in the early days was through telling stories and i still believe it's one of the most powerful ways to convey an idea is to to tell tell it in the form of a story well i agree 100 percent. i mean everything from like when you're you know i have three kids i'm just running around out there goofing around the yard right now and i think about when he was little my other two were little years as well what do they say at night at bedtime tell me a story right if you're up in front of an audience and um you're going to do a presentation i think one of the most powerful things you can say to start out is hey let me tell you a story i mean you immediately get everybody's attention when you tell a story don't you yeah i mean our faith yeah you know that we, if you believe in faith and spirituality in god it's told to us through stories i mean and this is it, it is it is it's an incredible powerful human and business tool um and we, we 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 do i mean one of the things we do when we have a, a staff join our team is molly my you know my wife who is our director of hospitality and our director of mind blasting as you call it she has storytelling uh, time hour with new employees where, where we sit around and we tell stories of legendary things that happen at chaipani and, and we asked the team to share their stories. I mean, the, the new hires of, you know, where they came from to illustrate these ideas and these concepts they were talking about, like, you know, enlightened hospitality and service and the difference between hospitality and service. Well, the storytelling hour, that's when people get, because you can sit there and talk to them all day long and show them PowerPoints and, and have all the points of service and, 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 and all the philosophical stuff you're supposed to talk about. But that storytelling hour, she gets more feedback on that from our team saying like, oh, that's when they understood what we're trying to get at, who we are, and what we need to do. And we keep a book, you know, a book of legends, so that every time somebody on our team does something that just blows our mind, we record it so that we can share it as part of a story. And hopefully 10 years from now, we'll be telling a story of what things that happened during the pandemic, you know. <clears throat> Last thing I'll let you uh, ask you about, and I'll let you go, Marilyn, but I do want to ask just out of curiosity, what other brands, um, either in or outside of hospitality, do you admire slash follow, or do you think have done a good job telling their story? Well, the, you know, uh, in the early days, my inspiration came a lot from Zappos, you know, reading that book, Delivering Happiness. Uh, with Tony Che's book, yeah. um, and a, uh, I got a lot of inspiration from um, um, uh, Zingerman's, you know, um, the, the group out of um, uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? And Ari, and, and I read a lot of his books and how he taught about his businesses. I mean, I think the guy's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, you know, it's not a business, but it's still, you know, like a business, Sam and Sinek's books. I read those a lot, and those were really inspiring. Um, and then Apple, you know, as the company, uh, their ability to tell a story, their ability to explain the why behind what they do, 
I've always found incredibly powerful and, and, and the way they do it. So I've, I've always looked at them a lot, you know, especially in the early days when jobs were still around. <clears throat> and um, and um, let's see, um, what are some of the other companies? And then groups, uh, Danny Myers Union Square Hospitality Group was yeah. a huge inspiration, especially in his early book, you know, um, setting the table. I mean that, and, and we looked at them a lot for how they did things. Um, but now I will say that there's a whole new genre of, um, you know, DDC businesses that are smart and hip and cool and do a great job with branding and storytelling. So even though I don't know much about their culture, I do look at the way they convey who they are and their messaging and how they do it. And, and it's inspiring. And, and the, you know, the, there's, too many to name there's so many of them out there right now but but it's always cool to see like oh my god these guys get it um you know i mean even so even a company like casper the mattress company like these guys took the most non-sexy most ubiquitous like you don't even think about mattress things and turned it into you know this this uh this uh thing you know where all of a sudden you're talking about your mattress right and and how cool it is and uh um, I love Tesla, yeah, you know, for amazing. the same reason. Uh, and, and what inspires me with that yeah. company is, is you know, um, less about their storytelling, but their ingenuity, their, their ability to jugard and get things done. I mean, when they opened that tent factory in the desert so they could keep up production of the Model 3, I looked at that and said, that's jugard. That's straight up 101 jugard. If you don't let anything stop you from getting done what you need to get done. And that's how you do it. Just think outside the box. I mean, it's not even the thing outside the box. It's like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's that mindset, you know? And um, so those are, those are a few well, companies that, that I look to. You know, they, that saying, uh, desperation is the mother of all invention. I mean, it's almost like if you have that mindset all the time, like all, it's all, there may be some value, I think sometimes, at least I try to do this personally a little bit, in forcing yourself into constraints that you may not have to, but just to make yourself think really creatively. Um, it, it's, you know, it really, when you are, when you are desperate, you will come up with a solution, you know, if you're, but it's easy to not have that sort of uh, mindset and have that creativity when you have no need to be desperate. But when you are, I mean, look at like what will come from this, this pandemic, all the bad, well, all the statistics of people that have, all this stuff are, is horrible. But long term, I guarantee medicinal and, and technology innovations are probably 10 times greater than what they were a year ago because of this. Taking the tough situation, this constraint, and turning it into something that can lead to some positive things, which is you got and which is your mindset all along man well um i'll, I'll show uh, one more thing i agree with you on the, all those companies and i realized that apple was telling me the story so well that i was spending all this money buying these new phones all the time and buying their you know then i had to buy the cases and then i have to buy it well then i finally you know I, I broke my iphone a few weeks ago and i was like i'm done so uh so i love their story but i went and got this 130 dollars alcatel flip phone and uh, I took the savings and I bought Apple stock because I think they're so good at telling stories. <laughs> That's a great story. Love it. All right, man. Listen, I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. Um, tell everybody I said, hey, and um, appreciate your time, appreciate your energy, your passion, your enthusiasm. And I know that you're 
brand is, is the story you're telling. You're getting more and more followers every day, and they're enjoying watching this story unfold. And uh, just really admire what you do, man, and uh, appreciate it very much. Thank you, Will. Same here. And, and, and don't forget, I mean, you know, for as long as I've known you, Will, you've been a storyteller, too. So keep, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate <laughs> it so much. Yeah, <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Thanks, Mary. Right, well, see you. Take care. Take care. All the best. You All too. Right, bye. bye.